This morning I want to preach to you a message that I've called, I've entitled Sound the Alarm. Sound the Alarm. And most of you know what that is in the picture. We've got one out here in the hallway and please don't go out here and test it out unless there is absolutely, truly an emergency, okay? But if there's an emergency and it's worthy to be pulled, then please do pull it. It works, but it's very loud, I can tell you that. Sound the alarm. I want you to go to Luke. I'm going to read several passages of Scripture this morning, I, I, but I, uh, I, actually, I actually condensed it because there was so much Scripture that I wanted to share, and I didn't uh, necessarily uh, put it in because time's sake. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter number 3. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. And we all know this story, right? I don't want to interrupt myself. This is the story. This is the introduction of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Which clarifies there was Baptists before there were Pentecostals. Okay? As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice, a voice. What's a voice? I want you to think about that. What's a voice? What's a voice? A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all the, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Hey man, that's, that's the way to win a congregation, right? How, how would you like that at your baptism service? You bunch of snakes. You bunch of snakes. You, you brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. And then go down to verse 19. But when John, same John, But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife. I want you to, there's a history behind that, but just catch this. Because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things that he had done, Herod added this to them all. Them all. He locked John up in prison. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Enable me to preach this word like you would have it to be preached this morning. And Lord, I ask that you anoint the ears to hear what you have to say. Lord, let me bring no harm, no reproach to your word. Guide me. Teach me. Lord, and hide me behind it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to preach this message to you, sound the alarm. 
There's another verse of Scripture that I'll refer to later in this message, and you'll find it in Hebrews chapter 13 in verses 7 and 8. And in Hebrews 13, 7 and 8, we find there that the Hebrew writer said, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I want you to think about and consider the world as we know it right now. Things are rapidly, rapidly changing around us. Even the youngest of you that are still seated seated in the room today and the youngest ones that are watching or listening today can identify with how things have changed and are changing around us. We have, uh, for those of us that are older in the room today, we now have cars that have little buttons you push to make the windows go up and down. We have cars that not only have air conditioning on them, but it has a little dial where you can turn and set your temperature and mama can set her temperature over here and the seats will warm up when it's cold like it was this morning and the steering wheel will warm up for you and the mirrors will defrost and all this stuff would happen. You know, when you think about back, and I know to some of the younger ones, 30 sounds a long time. But when you think about 30 or maybe 40 or maybe a little bit past 40, especially years ago, you begin to think about, well, we had an old crank, an old handle over here that you did this number to bring the wind up and down. You had one thing that said on or off. It meant you either had heat or you didn't have heat. If you want to go way back, you know, to... to you know, to the days of some of, some of the seniors in the room. You remember those, remember those, old, you older people, you remember the old vacuum windshield wipers? Remember, they would, when you'd go uphill, they were like. But then when you get to the top of the hill and get going down, then they would be doing this number because they, they ran off the vacuum of the engine. Uh, and, and things are rapidly changing. We, we have some friends of ours. He'll kill me if he watches this, and he usually does. But, but, but they just bought a new car, and it talks to you. It talks to you. It's, it's, he, he was telling me the other day that when you go to get in it now, it says, welcome, and calls him by name. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if I, I actually drove it here a week or so ago, and I drove it, and, and there was a little pothole in the road, and, and I went to swerve to miss that pothole, and it thought I was going out of the road, and it starts going... Cause it, and it straightens you right back up, puts you right back in the road. That thing is smart. Things are changing quickly around us. We used to have... Uh, we're, Dave, Dave, I guess Dave's sitting upstairs. Y'all can see the top of his head now. I, Dave, I remember, I remember going to Whitfield Community College, taking my first computer course, Introduction to Microcomputers. 
And, and you had you had a monochrome screen. That thing weighed about 500 pounds, I think. And you had to put a disc in and bring up the operating system. And then you had to bring that disc out. And you had to put in another disc to save your work on. And, and man, I thought I was in high co- I was going to college to take computer. That was probably in the mid-1980s. And then they came out with the computer and it, and it has hard drive and then you had that little three and a half floppy disk. In fact, just to share, our piano actually still has a three and a half floppy disk drive in it. That tells you how old it is. Amen. Say amen. 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 You know, we don't have the most modern piano. It still has the three and a half floppy thing in it. I don't know if you can even buy them anymore unless you go to a flea market somewhere. And, and, and then we went to, we've got the computers now. They don't even use the little three and a half inch disc anymore. We got micro processors and, and we've got computers that we carry around in our hand and speaking of these things I can remember the day I remember we didn't even have a phone in our house when I was growing up Mama, my mom and dad didn't get a phone until after my sister and I had married and left home nor did that my dad get a new recliner until we got married and left home so that sort of tells me something either we were awful expensive or they didn't want us messing with their stuff I don't know which the case was, but I can remember the old dial phone. You can dial it and then just... And then you, and then you pick up the receiver cause we'd go down to my grandmother's house and we were on a party line and there would be five other busybody old ladies on that party line while you're trying to talk to your girlfriend. And I would say, Miss Wampler, would you please just hang up? Now we got these things and, and we got all these contacts in them and it's anybody that calls this one even now, it even says this is a possible spam call. It says this is a possible telemarketer and it takes care of business for me. I don't even have to listen to them to tell me that my 2009 Nissan with 280,000 miles on it is about to run out of warranty. Things are changing. Times are changing quickly around us. We can relate to that. The world is more subject to change right now than any, any other time in history. Now, when you study history, you find change is inevitable. It's happened down through the generations, down through the years. But if you go back, I prefer to group the age that we live in into the post-World War II era. From, from the time that World War II ended to now, the world has dramatically changed. But in, within that perimeter, within that, those years that begins, you know, around 1948, when you begin to look back and say in this 70 year window, roughly 70 year window, I look back and I can see in the last 20 years a definite acceleration. And inside that acceleration, I look back to within 10 years and I find that it's, there's even greater acceleration. And if you want to, if you want to subdivide it again and look back in five years, I can see even more tremendous things that are occurring in the world around us. The, here's some of the changes that we're looking about. The, the, 
Statistics say that there has been more information produced in mankind in the last 30 years than in the previous or the 500 years leading up to this day. The last 30 years. Did you ever think about when the scripture says that in the last day man would be increased with knowledge? Did you ever think about that? Did, have you ever considered that? Uh, uh, one trip, one trip of the space shuttle Challenger produced enough information that it took 44,000 books to compile all of the information. One space shuttle trip. 90% of what you and I go to Walmart and look at and often purchase 90% of what, if you, especially if you go to Best Buy. If you go to Best Buy or you go to some other electronic store or even if you shop online. 90% of what you go and look at and browse through and shop for, 90% of it didn't even exist 10 years ago. of college graduates are earning degrees and learning careers in areas that didn't exist at the time that they were physically born. Wow. Makes you feel old, doesn't it? Makes me feel a little bit old. You know? Especially when my, when my, especially the 12 year old, she comes up and she'll say, just give me your phone and let me fix it. And then what really humbles you is when the nine year old says, here, Pa, just hand it to me. I can fix it for you. It's, it's really humbling at times, no matter, no matter what age you are. Ninety percent of the businesses in the United States right now were started less than 25 years ago. Listen, this is not the world that we lived in 30, 40, or 50 years ago. It's changing, and it's changing quickly. I read this illustration that another pastor had written. He said, my great-granddaddy rode a horse, but he was afraid of the train. My granddaddy rode the train, but he was afraid of riding a car. My dad rode a car, but he was afraid of airplanes. I now fly around in airplanes, but I'm afraid of horses. You see, change is occurring quickly, quickly around us. And there's a fade. There's a fade that's occurring. It, 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 there doesn't seem to be anything that really lasts too long anymore. I can remember one of the first trips that I ever made to Bluefield was probably around 1973 or 74. And I came right over here, right down the road here with my uncle. I rode, I rode over here with him to Nick's House of Color to get one of those good old, those brand new Zenith Color TVs. Man, that thing was fun. You could, you could turn those little knobs and you could make people turn green and, and all kind of different colors, you know. 
That thing was heavy. That thing weighed, it took, it took two, maybe three, it's one of those big console jobs, maybe three or four people to load that thing. Now you can go to Walmart and buy TV as half as big as your living room wall and you pay three or four hundred dollars for it and when it tears up you just throw the thing away and you go buy another one. Nothing lasts very long anymore. Things that were so solid and so, so sacred and I, I use this word sacred with the utmost respect, for so many years are no longer held sacred. Things like marriage. Things like sexual purity. Things like honesty. And things like integrity. They also have become uh, commodities that seem to be like fads or, or trends, or maybe they've become victims of the fads or trends, and, and they fade so quickly, and they're, 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 they don't seem to last very long at all. And while we're not giving over to graven images and, and, and idol worship, I'm not t- talking about that, but we must understand that some of those matters of life are immutable. They're never changing. They're unending. They're permanent fixtures in the plan of God. And He intends for us and the, uh, them to ab- remain and us to abide in them. So certainly there's... Reasons for change. Certainly change is going to happen. Uh, if we don't change, there's things that will occur like, you know, things will become outdated. And we'll be behind in the times and some things become useless like those old bag phones that we had back in the 90s. Remember those old big, you know, I, I had that van. I carried that, carried my cell phone, that thing. It, I, I loved it because, you know why I loved it? It made me feel like I was Steve McGarrett, for those of you who used to watch the old Hawaii Five-O. You know, and I, I would pick up that phone, patch me through to Dano. You know, I loved that old iPhone. That thing was powerful in its time, especially when you put the antenna up on top of the vehicle. You could drive to up on top of a hill and it's no telling how far you could talk on that phone. But now it's useless. It's outdated. It's out of touch. Sometimes if we don't change, those things happen. And they become old-fashioned. They become old-fashioned. And, you know, we we apply that to our dress. You know, we apply it to our shoes and we apply it, you know, to, to different different things of life. And and it's true. But the thing that we can't forget is God is the anchor of our soul. And He is to be the fixed point of reference in our decision making. He should be the axis that our world revolves around or revolves on, if you would. Anything less than God is not Lord of our lives. Now, has the church went through fads? Yes, it has. Has is the church going through fads? Yes, it it is. Uh, you know, we we always have, and you know, and all that. You know, sometimes now, actually, it's shifting. You know, a few years ago, I, I'm talking about in recent years. If you didn't have, if you didn't have the room dark and have colored lights and smoke coming out, you wasn't with it. 
But now, now a lot of younger generations are getting away from that. They're going back into the older buildings that are nostalgic looking. And, and, and they're moving into it. Those, those things are fads. But the realness of God doesn't come and go with a generation. The realness of God doesn't come and go with the decor of a building. The realness of God doesn't come and go with what is the most popular thing that's happening in society today. Remember what Hebrew writer said. He said God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we begin to take that in consideration, we realize, we must realize the words that are written in a time of great change, both in the world and in the church. Because you see, when that word was written in he, from the, and the Hebrew writer recorded it, the church was going through a tremendous shift. When John the Baptist was, came on the scene, the world was going, the church, if you would, was going through a tremendous shift. But the word of God had to be proclaimed in both situations, in both instances. In fact, in every instance there is, the word of God should be proclaimed and upheld among us. You see, the institution of moral values and the structures of discipline were crumbling and new ones were swiftly emerging in John's time and in the time that Hebrews was being penned. There was there was a dramatic shift in society. There was a dramatic shift in values. There was a dramatic shift in, in, in opinions concerning even the word of God in that day. The persecution of the church was intensifying. Moral values were failing. Structures of discipline were crumbling crumbling and new ones were emerging. But the one thing that we find is for sure, whether it was the Hebrew writer or if it was John the Baptist, we find that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we find that there is a voice, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness was calling a people to repentance. So when I look at all of this, I arrived at a conclusion. Now, I didn't say my message was concluding. Okay, somebody's saying, hey, yay. No, I arrived at a conclusion. The church has a responsibility. The church has a responsibility into everything that's going on in our world today. The United States, especially, that's what I'm talking to, but, but in the entire world, actually. Because God, He's just got one world. This, this world is His. But the responsibility of the church. The, we, we as the church, here, here's what. You and I as the church, we have got to accept some of the responsibility for the moral decay of society that we see. We must accept some of that responsibility. We, we, we must, we must, you, you know, don't, don't you just love it? Don't, have you ever met one of those people that, that, that they're, that they never take responsibility for anything? Most of the time their life is topsy-turvy and, and all messed up and all upside down. And it's simply because they're not willing to take responsibility. 
That's why their cars getting repossessed many times. Not every time, but that's why their cars getting repossessed, or that's why they blew the motor up in their car. That's why. That's why you know something this happened, or this happened, or that happened, or whatever. It's because people's lack of taking responsibility. The church has a responsibility in the world that we live in. What happened? What has happened in the church through the years? My opinion here this morning. My observation. My opinion based on observation. Is the church had the church became a self-seeking, feel-good society of people. We became more interested in how we felt after we came in the building than we were about what our purpose and mission is to be in this world that is filled with darkness and filled with unbelief and filled with sin and heartache. And, and as, as we created sterile bubbles, if you will, we created our atmospheres of worship. And don't get me wrong, atmospheres of worship are good and they're well in order in the church. Church, this is the place, this is our filling station, this is where we come to be filled and refilled. But our mission does not lie in this building. Our mission does not lie in 30 minutes or 45 minutes or even an hour of praise and worship. And, and even a message that makes us feel good for a little bit of time and encourages us. This, that, all that has its place. But understand me what I'm saying to us this morning, that, that if... I believe, it is my belief, my opinion, that we as the church have become so engulfed in our own agenda that we have forgot God's agenda. And God's agenda is, I come into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. So, many preachers, many Christians, many preachers right now... uh, I'll say we because I include me in this. We we sometimes will exclude subject matter like sin. We sometimes will exclude subject matter like hell or the judgment of God in our in our in our conversation and in our in our messages and and and, and they, you know we listen mercy and grace and I'm going to touch on that just a little bit more here in just a minute mercy and grace they 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 are there they will follow us all the days of our life we will dwell in the house of the Lord together mercy and grace it, it's the wonderful gift of God to us but but at the same time I want you to understand this mercy and grace have their place but also we find that that the, the, the those, those those teachings of 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 morality, those teachings of integrity, those teachings of of coming out and, and separating ourselves and being a separated people. Those teachings include uh, sin, it includes hell, it includes judgment in our messages, in our sermons. And, and let's not forget while we are teaching that God is a God of mercy, then God is a God of grace, that He is also a God of judgment. He is also a God of righteousness. We will stand before Him. We will be judged. Even as Christians, our works will be judged and we will be rewarded accordingly. And we will be, you will be judged if you're not a Christian. You will be judged in that great white throne judgment and your punishment will be great. But we sometimes forget that and we exclude that because we're more interested in making people feel good than we are in getting people saved. This is good preaching. Luke 
chapter 3, go back to verse 19 if you still have your Bibles open there. You find John, John's message was a message of repentance from the, from the get-go. Paul had a great message of repentance that he preached to the church. The Hebrew writer writes that God is unchanging. We find John the Baptist there in, in Luke, where we just read from a few moments ago. I don't know exactly how he's doing it. I don't know if he's standing over on the street corner, you know, across from Herod's temple and, and or, I, I don't know exactly where John's at, but, but John, he's over there. He said, Hey, Herod, you know, that's not your wife you've got in there. Herodias, is your brother's wife. You need to repent, Herod. You need to turn back to God. You need to turn your face towards Him. How long did that go on? We don't know exactly. Maybe it went on for several days. Uh, in my mind, I, I sort of figure it didn't go on too many days because it was an embarrassment to Herod. But John was John was not trying to embarrass Herod. He was just calling him to moral repentance. He was just calling him to righteous repentance. But we find that that it angered Herod, and Herod had John placed in jail. And we find that that the outcome was was really not good at all. But but my point in this is, we must realize that there is a place, there is opportunity, and there is a right way and a right time that we must declare the moral and the righteousness of God in the world that we live in. We must continue to declare Him holy. We must continue to to not go at war with people because we don't... Listen, if if it's somebody that's living in a lifestyle they shouldn't be living, it's not our job to punch them in the nose. But somewhere along the line, it is our responsibility as the church to declare that God is righteous, God is holy, and He's calling us to righteousness and He's calling us to holiness. You see, He's the immutable God. He's the God that doesn't change. God emphasized the fact that Christ, God's only Son, never changes because God doesn't change. And there there are at least four other things that, that we can't allow to change in our lives. Our Christian faith must not change. Our faith refers to Christian doctrine. Now, I realize there was, there's probably, there are probably those matters that we found out maybe, uh, maybe, uh, in, in the study of theology or eschatology, we found out that, that we, maybe we were off in our understanding a little bit and, and we, we adjust our understanding. But understand this, the word faith refers to our, the Christian doctrine, which is the revelation of the full, of the fullness and completeness in Jesus Christ, God's Son. What it doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean that, that we don't re-examine our faith, that we don't search our faith, and, and sometimes re-express our faith, uh, faith or often reapply, because we are to be growing 
disciples. But our faith, the basis of our Christian faith must not change. If the basis of our Christian faith is there is only one true and living God and the Word of God is Jesus become flesh and I base my experience, I base my life, I base my opinion, I base my 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 everything that is about me on my knowledge of the Word of God. Now let me tell you something. Let me, let me put this in here real good for you right now. It's called the study of apologetics. But, but, I, if I, if I come up to AK and I say, hey AK, why do you believe what you believe? If AK says, well, that's just always the way I've been believing it. Or if I come up to Heath and I say, hey Heath, why, hey buddy, how, why, why do you believe what you believe? I believe that because my mama praying Browning told me. And I go, hey Lily, why do you believe the way you believe? Lily says, well, I just, it's just the way I've always believed. Listen to me. We need to have a faith that is rooted and grounded on the Word of God. That's why we need to get in the Word of God, study the Word of God, know the Word of God, because it's in the Word of God that we find ourselves approved unto the Lord. Listen to me. Shouting and dancing and praising and worshiping, it's all good. It has its place. But that is not going to cause me to grow in the Word of God. When I get into the Word of God, I search the Word of God, I dig the Word of God, I begin to retrieve things out of the Word of God, I grow stronger in my faith. Man, i got to go. I, I'm going to time. Listen. And our so our <laughs> our Christian faith cannot change. Our ethics, thirdly, our ethics and our morals must be founded on biblical principles. Okay? And yes, I'm preaching this message intentionally today because we have some great decisions coming before us as a church. Not just us at Voice of Praise, the church as a whole. Especially in America. Our ethics and morals must be founded on biblical principle. Drastic, disturbing changes to ethics and morals are happening around us at the speed of light. Stuff that was unthinkable, stuff that was unheard of, stuff that is, was uh, a few years ago was, un, was incomprehensible. Confusion and inconsistency is happening everywhere around us every single day. It's happening socially, morally, and ethically. We're, we, there, there, there is nothing, I, I, I say that, there, but there is, there's basically nothing that would surprise, I, I don't think that would surprise me anymore. I heard the, I heard, uh, we, uh, listening to a talk radio or something the other day, and, and there's now a, a hundred and one different, uh, it's not genders, is it genders? What was the word we, there, there, there's like, there's, there's, there's a hundred and one different preferences that you can be now in the world. hundred and one different preferences that you can identify with now. Yeah. If you want to identify, if you want to identify with being a Persian cat, well, you see, we, we, we live, we live in a society right now that is far apart from the Word of God. And we identify that by what we see happening socially, morally, and ethically. Our personal accountability never changes as followers of Jesus Christ. It should never change. 
It should never change. The attempt to evade our personal responsibility, it happens though. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. It started in the beginning. We oftentimes, we will blame this on somebody and then this on somebody. And we'll oftentimes even blame it on the devil himself. But the reality of it is, we must take responsibility. We personally must remain accountable to this. Because let me tell you, when it comes that day that we stand before God. This is what we will be held accountable. I'm not going to be held accountable to what Carrie Hellman Dollar did. Carrie's not going to be held accountable to me. But I'm going to be held accountable to what is in the Word of God. And on that day, this is what I will stand before Him in. This is what I'll be judged in. This is what I'll be rewarded due reward in. Or this is what I will be handed due punishment in if I'm not right with God. You see, we must understand that we have a Accountability to the, the Lord of all creation. Therefore, our ultimate hope must remain in Jesus Christ. I'm going back a good ways now. First president that I can, I think now, I, I may can remember, I believe it was Eisenhower, but I really remember Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon Bain Johnson. His wife is the one that brought all these rose bushes and stuff, so I'm told, to the America. Lyndon Johnson, President of the United States of America, he said, the answer to all the problems of the world comes down to one word. That word is education. Education. Listen, right now, let me, let me, let me make you aware of something, even if you don't, uh, you probably already know this, but just in case. Right now, Lyndon Johnson, that was probably somewhere around 1968, he said, education. That's, that solves all the problems in the world. Now listen, education's good. I got, I got some, I wish I had more, but I'm getting too old to get a whole lot of, right now. He, education, education, that's, that's the answer to the problem. But right now, right now, people are going to school. Our kids are going to school. People are going to school. Young people are going to school. In, in some ways, you know, school is so phenomenal. It's education. The You know, in, in this whole pandemic, Sarah and I have been having the grandkids one day a week. Been doing school with them one day a week. They got stuff. You know, Keaton's what fourth grade, fourth fourth grade. It's way over my head. Not that I'm that smart, but it's fourth grade, and it's on a it's on a tablet computer. It's over my head. I don't get it. I don't get. Kids right now are being more educated than any time before. Our, our young people are more educated. The, the, the generations, the younger the generation, the more education that got. Our schools are better now than they've ever been before in so many, many ways. But at the same time, we're now at the place where a few years ago, the biggest problem we had in school was spit wads on the ceiling and people smoking in the bathroom. But right now we have schools that are filled with, 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 
uh, armed security, and rightfully so, because we have students that are being guarded against deadly weapons and school shootings and and school bombings and things like that. So, I, I'm, Lyndon Johnson, I think you were wrong. I don't think education, not that education has necessarily caused these things, but we we are at a place in life. We are in the in the last thirty years, especially, we are more educated than we've ever been in before. But things are getting worse. It's not education that we need necessarily. It's good and in its place, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ that we need as a country. We don't need to hear so much. Listen, I'm gonna get. I am just gonna go ahead and get political. We don't need to hear so much about science. Science is good. I love science. It's one of my favorite courses in school. I believe there's validity to science. But listen to me. I'm not following the God of science. I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because science is totally dependent upon Him because He spoke everything that is into creation. He breathed the breath of life into humanity. He saves us. He heals us. He does everything we need in our life. My hope is in the blood of Jesus. His righteousness. His redemption. The hope of a new heaven and a new earth that's closer now than it's ever been before. So wherever we go, whatever we do, I want you to understand this. God never changes. We do. But God doesn't. How much comfort can be drawn out of knowing that we have an unchanging God? I don't, I don't, very seldom do I tell, do I, do I message Pam and say, I want you to do this song or that song. But this morning they sung that song, Faithful. Faithful you will ever be. Let me tell you what that means. Faithful means that God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today and forevermore. So what does that have to do with sound the alarm? In this room you're sitting in right now, in this building that you're in, we have different means of security in this building. We have a burglar alarm system in this building. It's not, it's not armed right now, of course. But when we leave, that burglar alarm system will be armed. That burglar alarm system is, uh, it protects the, our investment as a congregation. It's here to protect the building. It's here to protect somebody from coming in and, uh, taking the instruments or any other, other equipment that we have here or vandalizing our church. The, the burglar alarm has a, a good place, but, but the, the, the place of the burglar alarm more so, uh, is to protect the building. But there's another alarm system in this building. It's been tested, but to my knowledge, it has never been used per se, and we thank God for that. And it's the alarm system much like the one you see on the screen. It's, it's the fire alarm system. Now that, that fire alarm system that if, uh, there are sensors that if the building was unoccupied and caught a fire that, that, that the system would go off. But primarily, primarily the alarm system, and there's some pods just like that one out here in the different hallways. And if this building were to catch fire, I would hope and I pray if before you ran out of the building, if you saw the fire, that you would run by one of those pods and you would just simply pull down on it. And when as soon as you pull down on it, there is an ear penetrating 
siren that begins to go off that warns everybody in the building. The building is in flame. The building is on fire. If you don't get out, you're going to die. You're going to perish. You could suffocate together with smoke. You know what? That's right. That right there, I'm using it as a metaphor of where we're at in the world right now. There are people that are dying and going to hell. There's a world going to hell right in front of us. But until we as the church come to the place that we say, oh no, we've got to do something. Now we can just, you know, we can just be on our way to heaven and the journey gets sweeter every day. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's calling us to reach up there and to pull that alarm, to sound that alarm, just like John the Baptist sounded the alarm, just like the Hebrew writer sounded an alarm. God is calling us as a church to sound the alarm. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus delivers. Jesus sets free. No matter what you're doing, no matter the bondage that you're in, no matter how bad the sin may engulf your life, He is the answer for sin. He is the answer for for distorted morality. He is the answer for broken ethics. Or ethics. He is the He is the God that will come in and redeem you. Repent, repent while there's still time. You know, Herod, it is wrong for you to have your brother's wife. You know it's wrong. Listen, to my knowledge, none of us has got put in jail lately. I like. I used to follow R. W. Shambach really close. Shambach used to tell a story about. Uh, it may have been Philadelphia. There was a city that Shambach went into, and they told him that he was going to have to shut his tent down. He didn't. He didn't do this, and he didn't shut his tent down. And and they took him and they put him in jail. He he hadn't had much success with his tent meeting. Not many people weren't. They weren't. They just weren't coming out. And, and they take him and they put him in jail and they lock him up. And the local paper puts ten evangelists next morning. Ten evangelists jailed. And somebody comes along and bails him out. And that night, the tent meeting was full. And people healed, saved, set free, and delivered. And he would testify about that so often. He'd say, the devil gave me free advertisement and didn't even realize he was doing it. But listen. I'm not suggesting that any of us need to be put in jail. But what I am saying is this. Frankly, we need to be pulling the alarm. We need to sound the warning. If this building were on fire, I would want you to know it. I would not want you to perish. Are you sounding the alarm for the people around you that are lost? Are you sounding the alarm for people around you that are dying, that are going to hell? Because hell is real. Hell is hot. Hell is eternal. There is nothing funny about hell. There is the, the listen. I'm not knocking any church, but these signs that says things like "stop, drop, and roll" doesn't work in hell. I don't take it that lightly. Hell is serious. Hell is eternal. Hell is judgment. Hell is fire and brimstone that never ends. Listen, it's time that we sound the alarm and start declaring: Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Mercy and grace, reproof and rebuke. They all four go hand in hand. And without reproof and rebuke, I don't think we'll see many people latch hold to mercy and grace. And it's not that we're bigots and fascists, because we hear all those words right now. 
It's not that we're bigots and fascists and bullies. And it's not for me. It's not for me to walk up to somebody and say that, that has a that has a problem with alcohol. If you don't quit drinking that alcohol, you don't go to hell. No, that's not the problem at all. That's not the problem at all. You see, the problem at all is if you don't repent and let the Lord Jesus Christ come into your life, then you're going to hell. You see, because then, if they will repent, the Lord will deal with the other issues of their life. The Holy Spirit will deal with those things. Oh gosh, I gotta quit. I knew it's, I thought this was gonna take two and a half hours, so it took me almost an hour. Listen, right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm pulling an alarm this morning. I'm pulling an alarm. The building is on fire. Flames are licking off the ceilings. Of course, I'm speaking metaphorically. Smoke's rolling out from under the doors. The doorknobs are getting hot. There's not a way. There's there. There's not a plan of escape that 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 is very promising at all at this point. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to go now. I'm pulling the alarm. I'm pulling the alarm. Right now is the time for you to make amends in your soul. Right now is the time for you to call on Jesus Christ and to repent. Right now is the time to escape judgment. Right now is the time to receive mercy and grace. If you're in this room right now. And you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or if there's any doubt in your mind right now that whether you're right with God, whether you are in right standings with God, this is without any embarrassment to you at all. This is what I want you to do. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just want you to slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to know that I'm in right standing with God. I need to know that. I need to be confident of that. Is there one person in this room? I take it by that that everybody in this room is good. So I want you to look at me. If you're watching this morning, probably this should say this afternoon now. But if you're watching this afternoon and your heart's not right with God, only you can make that decision. You can make your heart right with God by calling on Jesus Christ. He will deliver you from immoral things. He will deliver you from 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 from. Uh, Things that are displeasing to him according to his word. He will break the change of sin. You see, sin causes us to do some really bad things. Sin, sin will take us deeper than we ever intended to go. Take us further than we ever thought we would go. The only thing that will retrieve us is the blood of Jesus Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit. But this is what I want you to do with me right now as a congregation. I want you to stand to your feet with me in agreement. If you can. If you can, I understand that. If you're physically, if you're hindered from standing. Right now. Right now, this is what I want to ask you to do. Let me ask you a question first. How many, how many, how many in this room this morning? Right now, how many in this room this morning? There is somebody that you know you need to be pulling the alarm for. The building's on fire. Oh, wow. Wow. The building's on fire. You need to pull the alarm for them. 
Now, take, put your hands down. Here, here's, feel like a grade school teacher. Put your hands down. Now, here's the question. You don't, don't raise your hand on this. Here's the question. Are you willing to pull the alarm for them? Are you willing to pull the alarm for them? If you are, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. I mean, not, not a commitment to me, because commitment to me doesn't amount to a whole lot. I mean, I trust you. I take your word. It's not that I don't value your word, but not a commitment to me, but I want you to make a twofold commitment. I want you to make a commitment in your heart, in your mind. I want you to make a commitment to the person that you just raised your hand for. And then I want you to also make a commitment to God that you're going to sound the alarm every chance you get. You're going to sound the alarm because somebody's about to burn up in the house. Somebody's about to perish in the flame. Right now, just join me in prayer. Father, as we come to you today, Lord, we bless you, we worship you, we praise you. Lord, today, Lord, there's some that are perishing in the fire right now. Lord God, there's some that are on the brink of disaster. There's some right now, today, Jesus, Lord, that are standing on the brink of disaster, Lord God. Lord, their morals have failed. Lord, their ethics are gone, Lord God. They're, 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 Lord, they have no, Lord, there's no self-worth, there's no self-value. There, Lord, there's, there's, Lord, we live in a world, Lord, right now that, that seems like, Lord God, that morality has gone out the wind. It's vanished out of our sight. But Lord, right now, God, I pray, Lord, as we commit ourselves, Lord, to, to, Lord, to pull the alarm for others. Lord, that we will pull the alarm. We will sound the alarm. We'll pull alarms of prayer. We'll pull alarms of, of, uh, Lord, of witnessing to other people. We will pull the alarm and, and, and inviting people to come to church. We'll pull the alarm to speak and to lead people to you, Jesus. Lord, today, Lord, help us to be very, very attentive not to let anyone perish in the fire. But God, we will pull the alarm while there's still time. While there's still time, Lord, the, 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 the alarm will sound and we will see people. We will get their attention, Lord God. The Holy Spirit will grip their heart. The Holy Spirit will draw them in. And we know without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for them to be saved. But today, God, today, God, we believe that you are drawing. You are willing. You are pulling, Lord, those that are about to perish by the Holy Spirit, God. And they, Lord, too, will be redeemed, Lord God. You are faithful, God. We worship you. We bless you, Lord God, because you are good. You are good. You are good. Lord, and we sound the alarm. We sound the alarm. We sound the alarm. All your promises are yes.